Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, episode 349. This is the weekly podcast about American flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This podcast is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free nationwide online directory to florists, shops, and studios who design with American-grown flowers, and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor for 2018, Florist Review Magazine. I'm delighted to serve as contributing editor for Slow Flowers Journal, found in the pages of Florist Review. It's the leading trade magazine in the floral industry and the only independent periodical for the retail, wholesale, and supplier market. Take advantage of the special subscription offer for members of the Slow Flowers community at deborahprinzing.com, where you can also find the show notes for today's episode 349. Before I turn to today's awesome guest, Bethany Little of Charles Little & Company, I want to share two big news items. First, this week marks the 250th consecutive episode of the Slow Flowers podcast, a major milestone in podcast land where the average podcast only lasts seven episodes. In total, since airing my first episode on July 23rd, 2013, which for some reason I decided to assign as number 100, thus the odd syncope of today's episode 349. I've hosted and have produced an original Slow Flowers podcast episode every week for 250 weeks. That's pretty awesome, folks. And I thank you so much for loyally joining the conversation. In fact, this podcast has been downloaded more than 317,000 times by listeners like you. It is an honor and a humbling experience to know you're listening in each week. Our listeners are an essential part of the conversation. Here's to the next 250 episodes. We know there are many more voices to hear and stories to tell. And I want to bring them to you right here at the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing. Our second big piece of news involves the online directory, slowflowers.com. Four years ago this week, on May 12, 2014, I announced the debut of slowflowers.com. I said this at the time, slowflowers.com is a sister project to the podcast. It is a free online directory of American-grown flowers and the designers, shops, studios, and farms who source those blooms. I continued, The mission of slowflowers.com is simply this, to promote American-grown flowers, to make it easy for flower consumers to connect with florists, shops, studios, and farms who provide American-grown flowers, and to encourage truthful and transparent country-of-origin labeling in the floral industry. I also said, my goal with this project is that when someone wishes to purchase or send flowers, they stop and ask themselves, can those flowers be American-grown? Slowflowers.com provides that answer. We started with a directory of 250 domestic floral resources. Today, that list has grown to 725 members, and my goal with your help continues to be growing that list to 1,000. 
perfectly timed to coincide with the fourth birthday of slowflowers.com. I want to unveil a brand new slowflowers.com 2.0, a visually updated and more user-friendly website for those who visit the consumer-facing side, and a more functional machine for members who interact with the admin and database side managing their content. I have invested considerable time and finances to create slowflowers.com dot com 2.0 with a fresh new aesthetic and easy to navigate user experience. I hope you take time to click over to slowflowers.com to see what I mean. I've shared all the admin details with our active members. So check your inbox for the new user guide and news relating to slowflowers.com. If I've missed you for some reason, please reach out and let me know and I'll send you that information. And finally, if you have always considered yourself a, quote, supporter of Slow Flowers, but have never joined, now is the time to put your values into an actionable gesture. We welcome you to our growing and vibrant community of kindred spirits, flower farmers, floral designers, farmer florists, wholesalers, retailers, and consumers of flowers. Please join the community. You can do so at slowflowers.com. I'll have much more news to share with you as we continue to improve all the facets of this website. I definitely want to thank Bob Metter of Metric Media for his ongoing involvement in the creation, maintenance, and caretaking of this digital project. As I find myself so often saying... I'm a journalist, not a business person. My path to creating the Slow Flowers community and content channels has been passion-driven more than entrepreneurial. With continual improvement in the platform, we're creating a dynamic brand with which floral consumers and the floral industry wants to engage, and I'm stretching my business know-how in doing so. It's fitting to share today's conversation with my guest, Bethany Little, because she and her husband, Charles Little, are veteran flower farmers and huge supporters of the Slow Flowers cause. This episode was recorded last month when Bethany and I spent a few days together at the Whidbey Flower Workshop hosted by Toby Nelson. I was there to teach creative writing during the workshop's opening session, after which Toby graciously invited me to stay with the group of instructors and students for two more days. Bethany was there as both a student and a sponsor, bringing hundreds of beautiful flowering branches from hers and other Oregon flower farms to be included in the large-scale installations breathtakingly built by Joseph Massey and his students. You may recall that Bethany's husband, the one and only Charles Little, appeared on this show a few years back. I was in Eugene, Oregon, visiting friends and lined up a visit to the Charles Little headquarters on CV Loop Road. Bethany was out of town that weekend, so I zeroed in on Charles's story, a wonderful narrative of a sustainable agriculture pioneer whose 30 years of flower farming set the stage for so much of what is happening today in our slow flowers world. I'll make sure to add a link to that episode from August 2015 called Grower Wisdom for you to catch up on part one of this story. Now you'll hear part two of the story, Bethany's insights on flower farming and on creating a viable marketplace for those flowers. Please enjoy our conversation today and visit deborahprinzing.com to read more about the farm that Charles started solo, but which is now a floral partnership between Bethany and Charles. I'll have photos to share from my many wonderful visits to the farm, as well as links to all their social places. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, and I am so excited today to introduce Bethany Little of Charles Little and Company. Hi, Bethany. Hi, Deborah. It's so fun to be together here at the Whidbey Flower Workshop. It is. It's a great break to to start off the season. It's just sort of a, 
a mellow moment before the whole chaos of transplanting. Yes. And starting to cut flowers and shipping. We haven't <laughs> shipped anything yet this year, and I'm really excited, but this is a nice sort of breather before, yeah. before it all. Yeah, it's great that um, we're, we're here on Whidbey Island, and we've, we've had two and a half fun days of, of design, and, you know, I consider myself a non-designer, but I want to be. I consider you, Bethany, a farmer florist. You do a lot of design, although... In comparison to the farming you do, maybe not so much, but you created something really amazing, this headpiece. So maybe we can share a photo of it in the show notes. Okay. A la Susan McCleary, <laughs> our wonderful instructor. It was a lot of fun to make, and it's fun to stretch that muscle, and it's really great to be here because I want to see how people use the product that we grow. And it inspires me as a grower and a sourcer of plants to grow for florists you know like right what what can i grow i can grow something since six inches tall right and you know it'll get used and people will love it if it holds for headpieces garlands you know wrist corsages whatever but it's just fun to get to be the plant nerd who loves growing stuff and it's not just oh nigella which is beautiful. Right, but it's but Nigella it's, used in this way kind of thing. Right, but now it's sort of like, yay, Hebe, mini blue boxwood, you know, 6 to 12 inches tall. That's Boutonnieres, baby. <laughs> yeah, people love it. And it's so fun to, to source and look at things and to um, just, you know, be able to go to nurseries and, and say like, yeah. I could sell that because I can, I see what they're doing. Right, exactly. Well, we didn't say where Charles Little and Company is based, which is Eugene, Oregon. Um, long, really established you know, presence in the national cut flower industry. You were yes. telling me that your husband Charles was almost like an original member of ASCFG, which is celebrating its 30th year this year. Yes, so. Charles has been farming for over 30 years. So give us a snapshot of, of the business. And Charles... I'll just stop and say, Charles Little, uh, Bethany's husband, has been a past guest of this podcast. Something happened when I went to interview him, like you were out of the country or something. So I th- I've been threatening for two years. And he was a fabulous guest. And we'll put a link to that uh, interview on our show notes for today so people can hear Charles and then kind of in context of, of what you're, Bethany and I are talking about today. But um, it's taken me two years to pin you down to, to get or that we're in the same place. We're with, in the same place yeah. at the same time. <laughs> yeah, because I tried, remember I was in Portland in February and I was trying to I'd get you to come up from Eugene and there was this horrible snowstorm. And Right, I'm like, no way. Not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so this is better. Um, but but Bethany, give us kind of a snapshot of the business if if people haven't um, stumbled across Charles Little and Company. Um, you, you're active on Instagram, they can follow you there. But sure. how big is the business and what is your scope? Sure, we um, specialize in what we call specialty cut flowers, and we uh, farm seasonally. So that means, to us, that means that we only use our greenhouses at this time for starting our plants. We don't grow anything in the greenhouses as something, as a finished product. Like an off-season crop or something like that. So we don't have any anemones, say, or any poppies. Um, whatever people are having right now, because um, you'd have, what have to have heat in the greenhouse, or? or no, it would just you would just need a little bit more cover. I see. Yeah. Um, so uh, we have a thirty-five acre flower farm 
well, 40 acres, but we farm about 35 of the acres wow. that we have. And the rest is in roads and bump outs and rocky areas and and barns and stuff like that. And um, we sell to wholesalers nationally. Um, we sell to fresh flower wholesalers nationally, dried flower wholesalers nationally, and um, some parade people for dried flowers for the, so, for the rose parade. Really? Yep. That's wow. fun. Um, so it's kind float, of like float makers. Yeah. Float wow, makers. Very cool. And, um, we sell to a really great group of florists up at the Portland market. Um, we have a stall at the growers market up there. Um, and it's really, really fun to be able to interact with them. Mm-hmm. I do have an employee up there, but I go up once, at least once a month. And Eugene is like how far to Portland? It's two hours okay. South. Okay. So it's not easy. I mean, it's easy enough, but it's, you know, it's, a, it's, it's I on, on top of something else, yeah. on top of all the farming and keeping up with everybody else. It's, it's, a, it's sort of a drag of a drive. Um, I've done it. I know. Mostly to go home. Going there is fine. Coming home is hard because right. <laughs> you get up so early. But there, you do have a lot of just personal relationships with florists that you've built over the years, so you don't have to physically see them necessarily. Right? No, and I. Yeah. But I do. I love that. You know, being able to interact with mm-hmm. with some florists, which is really nice because then I. Again, know what I can and can't sell and why. Yeah. Um, the rest of the time, you're just like, oh, that is such a beautiful row of that plant, and no one's buying it. You know, you're like, well, you give, me an ex- give me an example. Oh, it just things go in and out mm. of fads, mm-hmm. and um, sometimes you think, well, maybe I'll just try it. You yeah. Know, if 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 I can't sell it, try fresh. to find a second market for it right. because I can't put it in the compost bin. Yeah, sometimes you just have to. Um, and then we have another. I'll come back to that because there's yeah. a lot about it growing that I really like. Um, about things having more than one life. But uh, we also sell at the co-op in Seattle, the um, Seattle Wholesale Growers Market Market Co-op. Right. You and were, I think, Charles Little & Company was an original farm involved with the launch of that mm-hmm. in 2011. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think the, the original talking was at, at our at farm. At your farm. Yeah, I was there. we hosted a... Um, an ASCFG Northwest conference at our farm, which was a ton of fun. And um, every there was a bunch of people who stayed after the conference to talk about this new market. And so this market has gone through two, like a couple changes, mm-hmm. but it's a great market and um, has a great group of people running it. Molly does a wonderful job. And um, so that's a, another way where we sell to retailers but for us it's a very indirect because we don't go to seattle our product goes to portland and then catches another trucking company (laughs) to go to seattle but it's all in water the whole time which is wonderful and so absolutely um you know whenever you can have a wet train and a cold train of moving your product it's it's great so it gets up there um the seattle florists get a crack at it and yeah. it's fun i mean people know charles little and company product it's well signed and labeled so even though you're not physically there very often um your product is you know representing you well yeah yeah and, and, and the people do a, a wonderful job yeah you know making sure it's doing great if it didn't travel well it's you know dump it yeah 
Yeah. And do you want to talk about Los Angeles too? Is that another oh, facet? You know, that is, you know, basically a wholesale okay. situation. We, our product is in um, LA at the LA market and it is at Oregon Coastal Flowers um, and they, in their stall in their stall. Mm. And they are, you know, they, they purchase our product and they rep it there. Okay. And so it's just sort of also another, you know, wet and cold train mm-hmm. all the way to L.A., which is pretty darn amazing. Um, yeah, that's a for, long trip. For the L.A. floor. And um, so it never goes in a box. But when we mm-hmm. ship to, you know, like import flowers in Nashville, it goes into a box. And uh, But they run to the airport and get it and cut it and put it in water and you know, they condition it. Right. So roughly how many of, of the wholesalers off the West Coast are, are you supplying over the course of the year? Um, you know, probably, I would say probably like six consistent mm-hmm. wholesalers mm-hmm. and then may, maybe maybe up to eight consistent wholesalers, which is enough. Yeah. And then there's a few who will, um, who are maybe chain members, you know, like a smaller part of, you know, uh, how do I say it? Like, like a branch of a like, Yeah, larger. a smaller branch mm-hmm. will say, will call me up or send me an email and say, can I get a case of? So in my brain, that is a separate person, but it's not. They're it's, part of a bigger They're company. part of a bigger company. Yeah. It yeah. all comes in the same check. Well, I, we were talking yesterday when we were in the car about shipping and just what, you know, what's involved and how come you don't sell direct to florists and all of that? And a lot of it is just logistics and, and cost, right? Oh, national shipping. Right. Yeah. Um, we, we you know, to, to get a really great rate for national shipping, you need to do a lot of the shipping. And I just said we do a lot of shipping, but those people have NorCal accounts. Right. And um, I don't even know what NorCal. I think it's called Cal Flowers now, but it's oh. a trade association. Right that has negotiated, like, favorable FedEx rates. But if you're not a member, FedEx isn't going to deal with you. Right. And then, you know, I ship very few boxes on Southwest, but the wholesaler ships a lot of boxes on Southwest from a lot of people from all over the nation to them. So it's great. But I I never can get that buildup of the favorable rate. And I'm not from California, and I'm not part, I'm not buying yeah. into their association. Right, so. right. I think you can join now even not being in California, but it has to be maybe the main focus of your business. And right. it sounds like you have enough other outlets. Right. Um, I have a couple more outlets, actually. Yeah. I have grocery stores um, that I really enjoy working with. Um, our biggest one is New Seasons. Um, it's been a lot of fun working with them over the years. Um, right now, they're going to take a large um, lilac microphylla uh, load. Uh, you know, they're taking a smaller load this week, and then next week they're going to take a larger one. It's great. You know, yeah. I love being able to um, sell them product. That, and they're really based kind of in Oregon, Washington, and Northern California, right? Yeah. I don't know how many stores they have in California anymore. Or I thought they acquired they New Leaf. I think they maybe oh maybe maybe they but your did. product may or may not be getting down there. I don't think it does. Yeah, it stays here in Oregon and maybe goes to the Washington store. Yeah, but that's our biggest grocery store, and, and we have a, fun, a lot of fun making bouquets mm-hmm. for them too. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned the lilac microphylla, and just to totally change subject here for a second, um, that's the type of lilac that was used in the this would be flower workshop with 
One of them. With, yeah, yeah, and with, um, yeah, there was the white, and then there was the, the one you brought was the darker. There was some white um, that we brought, and we brought some um, medium or light purple, and then we brought the lilac microphylla. Which is the more ruby-looking. Yeah. Well, I guess in, it, in bud. Yeah. It's sort of a, a darker maroony color, and then it opens up to a light pink, and it has a different scent and a smaller leaf. Oh. A lot of people confuse it for Miss Kim, but yeah, so it sort of looks like that. It's stunning. Ly- uh, and the reason I wanted to bring that up, first of all, to compliment you on how beautiful that product was and how it held up so well. People went gaga over it. Uh, the large Joseph Massey installation, yeah, it which did. people may or may not start seeing on Instagram, uh, was like basically a tree uh, with a million botanicals in it. Um, it had it held up really well in that. Um, I always, when I first met you and Charles in 2010 at that event that we talked about, that regional meeting for ASCFG, um, I was most impressed with your incredible diversity of woody ornamentals and I'm wondering if that's sort of how people have known you over the years and now like I know you do way more than that but that's sort of how I first defined you like right you know the nine bark and the cotinus and the lilacs and the viburnums and I'm sure that you could list off all the others well I think that uh, it is a big part of our business it was um Charles was very reluctant to plant Woody shrubs on the land that we now own, we rented, we leased. Uh, we right. rented. It wasn't really a lease. It was year-to-year lease. So wow. Charles was very, very reluctant to plant anything of that costs so much to produce. And I said it really, you know, I like kind of said it really doesn't cost that much more. If Like I said, if this plug costs, you know, like X, and the plug that we're going to purchase that's a woody shrub cost xxx you know like it's really not that much more right. you know and it ha- you know you don't have to do it ever again well that's what <laughs> you know that's the one so thing i kind of convinced yeah. him and then once we started going he was a little hooked and there was no stopping him and it was really great i didn't realize that so he was when he first started the farm you weren't in the picture and yep. he was growing um everlastings correct was that mostly yeah, he annuals was, he was drying uh, he was growing uh, annuals and herbaceous perennials um, for the dried flower industry only mm-hmm. because there was no way you were going to be able to sell anything in Oregon at that time. The market, the, the demand mar- wasn't there. The demand wasn't there, and uh, it was just Oregon was really, really, really depressed. So yeah. so this is like in the late 80s yeah. through the 90s. Yeah, and yeah. so he was... But dried flowers are hot, yeah. you know, where, and so... In that crafter market, yeah. yeah. And so, and everybody had those, you know, big larkspur things over their doorway with the paper <laughs> bow in the center. Remember those? Yes. They were awful. <laughs> I always went and went over my headbed, you know, head, uh, headboard, headboard in my bed, yeah. yeah. So, um, I mean, I, thank you, everybody who has one or had one, because well, you helped my husband yes. make a living. Um and uh, it also that the that that hideous piece and yes. larkspur itself is the reason why I got to meet Charles in the first place. Okay, well, yeah. I I want to back up a little bit and ask about that. Um, he was a bachelor farmer when you guys met, right? Yeah, he was <laughs> like one of the Norwegians on on <laughs> Prairie Home Companion. 
<laughs> he was a bachelor a farmer. Young, a young bachelor farmer. Yeah. yeah. So how, how did that come about? Because you, you also were, uh, are you a Eugene native? I am a Eugene native. Oh, yeah. okay. Okay. So what were you doing at the time? I had, um, I was living in Eugene. I had been going to school and I said, this is just not for me. And, um. I had gone to Arizona and worked in the Grand Canyon because I thought maybe it's maybe it's there that I need to be, you know. Mm. Then I kept having dreams about the Pacific Coast and the Grand Canyon, and I was like, man, I think I have to go home. So I came home and I went back to school, and I said, wow, this is still not for me. And I started growing. Um, it had there was a half an acre, and I had a quarter of it, and a girlfriend had one half of that and I had the other Mm. half and she was doing medicinal herbs and I was doing dried flowers Mm. and um it was just sort of fun it was a quarter it was a little corner of a farm that someone just said go for it whatever we don't care and um I was growing all these things to dry that I you know got from territorial seed company and oh it's seed company that's um on I-5 in Corvallis, or in Albany, I can't remember. Um, Nichols. Nichols, yeah. Nichols Garden Seeds. And yeah. it just, you know, just all the little yeah. tiny dinky seed companies that I only regional, knew. Regional, yeah, because yeah. that's all I knew was regional seed companies. And they were selling to home gardeners, pretty much. Right. Yeah. That's what I was. Yeah. I was a gardener, and I grew the wrong kind of larks for, for drawing. I grew a single winged variety, which is beautiful, but there's nothing there to dry. Okay. You know, you dry and it shrivels up to nothing. Okay. So, so that was a fail. <laughs> it was, yeah, yeah, who knew? <laughs> there was no internet. So um, I, my mom said, oh my gosh, you got to see this. And she held up the newspaper and I, you know, so we were visiting and there was on the front page there was, or somewhere in the lifestyle section or something like that, they had taken, um, interviewed Charles and um uh, the neighbor, the Charles and his neighbor, got together and grew like four and a half acres, I think, of larkspur together. Wow! And it was just all larkspur, monocropped. It was eight feet tall. It was outrageous. And the right color, purpley blue. All the right kind of seed. <laughs> I mean, and outrageously tall. Who who knew you right. could get it that tall? Right. And every single color. There was oh. rose and carmine and lilac and blue and purple and. Well, those were the only... And white. Right. And so there were all those. And, um, oh, and light blue. I I made all the labels for them. You were sold. (laughs) You were like, I I need to meet this guy. Well, I no, I didn't even think about the farmer. I just... There was a you pick. (laughs) It was like his flowers. I want his flowers. (laughs) There was a a you pick there. And I went and I you picked it. And it was the end of the day. And I got to meet Charles because he was shutting down... The you pick stand mm. at the end of the day, mm-hmm. so that you know I got to meet Charles and eight foot tall Larkspur. It's <laughs> yeah, it you know you had me at Larkspur. <laughs> <laughs> so it's um, that's our little uh, meet cute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and over time, then you ended up joining the farm, mm-hmm. and um, the yeah. rest is history. The rest you, is history. You said you guys have been together over twenty years now. Yep. Yeah. Um, I feel like you bring a whole different facet to the business because uh, you have different skills and interests. Both of you do. So you're very complimentary, but you're both 100% engaged in the farm, right? Right. Do you feel like your portfolio is um, has evolved over the years? Because it seems like you're kind of the, the 
the front person on sales and marketing and that, dealing with the customer. That's because I took it over. Okay. Uh, I, you know, Charles and I would get into arguments about Charles would say yes, and I would be like, we don't have that. You know, yeah. I'd be shaking my head like, what are you doing? Oh, and by the way, you let's know? back up. This is pre, like you said, pre-internet, right? Yes. So people would just fax you or people call you. People would fax and call, but we still, I still love to follow up with orders with a phone call. Yeah. And, you know, make sure people know like, well, it doesn't, or or with a text message, like, doesn't look the same as it did last week because it's a second cutting or whatever. Mm-hmm. I really like to communicate you know, probably over communicate with my customers, but that mm-hmm. I just want happy, mm-hmm. happy customers. Right. Um, so yeah, you but, do that now. I remember when we you sent uh, donations to the um, floral wars at the Northwest Flower and Garden Show. Uh, you were texting me photos of of what was available because, of course, it was February and there wasn't a lot available. Right. You you took a photo of every single thing you thought would work and texted it to me. Right. Well, it's, it's pretty darn easy. Yeah. Now, I mean, now it's really yeah. easy. Yeah. I mean, before we before texting was really, really easy, I would take, I was super excited, you know, over 10 years ago when I got my laptop and it had a f- camera in it and mm. I would carry my laptop around the barn and take pictures of things. Oh, my and goodness. <laughs> email people because it was yeah. so great. You know, you don't have to play that fun game of, you know, like... Name that flower. It was right. it was like a it was like a game show that you would play with your wholesaler over the telephone. And they would try to describe it to you. Yeah, they would be like, "What's that yellow flower I, you sent me?" And I would pull up their invoice, you know, out of their file, and I, it would be like, "What's yellow?" I'm like, "I sent you five yellow things. Okay, go." You know, how many petals? <laughs> right. It was it was sort of like a game show for me. Um, but a time suck too. A t- it was a total time suck. So it's it's you know the, the internet has made it super super easy, but. Also, I am to, in my opinion, to keep a customer happier is it's easier to say no or it is really, really different than what you think you're going to get. Because things do go in and out of season, especially with the product that we grow. Um, We don't do a lot of succession planting Mm -hmm. and we do that on purpose. You know, it's, it's here. And yeah, it's not, and because we have something else, and we because we love growing so many different things. So in a way, you kind of are so eager for the, then it's not like you get tired of things, but you're ready for the next uh, bloom cycle of something new. Right. And well, also our customers are too. I find that if you have something for too long, people just stop buying it. Yeah. And like, what would be your longest availability on something? Oh I'm trying gosh. to think. Is it more of a woody? Foliage crop, like a no, nine bar. It's more or? like herbaceous print, like Echinops. Okay. Because yeah. it, you can start harvesting it green, and then it starts to turn blue, and then it's bluer, and then it gets really hot, and it gets extra, extra blue. You know, right? The so hotter it is, weeks the it later, is. you're like, damn it, I'm sick of this Echinops. <laughs> no one's sick of Echinops. Okay. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I'm not. I mean, people were using it today, which was, and it, and it dries, right? Right, and it dries. So it's, um, you know, usually I'm, it's, I'm have harvested it, you know, had the crew harvest it for drying at its peak before it actually starts to do its true bloom. Mm, mm-hmm. And see, I got to catch it right before that or when the central bud or central cluster of flowers is blooming. Yeah. And um, that's for drying, but you, you, don't, you don't fully harvest. You hold some back for the fresh market. Right, we yeah. do. Yeah. But it goes fast. So um, this whole renaissance of the dried flower um, or everlastings or preserved, what is the term you use? 
Dried flowers. Dried flowers. Okay. Um, it kind of drives me crazy when people say dead flowers. Yeah, no, that's not allowed. <laughs> but when did that kind of come back? Did, have you been able to kind of just anecdotally observe like a, people's newfound interest in it, or is it just I hard think to say? It's new, more a newfound interest. Pretty much started about two years ago. Okay. I mean, there's always been an interest in it. People have always liked it. You know, there's always at least some people buying it. Right. And especially for the fall, it's a thing, you know, but to, you know, for us to have our dried flowers at market in the summertime on display and they're selling is just really unheard of. Yeah. I usually pull them all and stick them in boxes and, you know, like, okay, we'll make wreaths out of those later because Mm -hmm. I have to unwrap them and some of them are broken from handling. Right. But... Now they just fly off the shelves. And I don't know, you know, I, I know it's because of this new renaissance of the dried flowers. And I like to also think it's because of my beautiful display. Have you You're, ever seen my big, big yes. booth in Portland, my, my stall in Portland? Well, Portland I, and Seattle both. You well, have, I put the, my black cabinet in Portland. I love and my so cabinet. And your, so your flowers are <laughs> stuffed in there? Yeah, I just had this vision of I wanted to have... A wall of flowers, mm-hmm. and I did not. I know how that was going to happen, so I uh, did something that you should never do. I went to Bring Recycling, which is sort of a, a housewares reuse place. You know, wood reuse, re, you know, recycling. And I was like, "There's got to be a twelve foot cabinet here. There just has to be." And there was. It wow. came out of like an old grade school, you know, okay. built a long, long time oh, ago. Very cool. And so it's all hardwood, and it's tall and double deep and, deep yeah. and double doored you know and it, it's just perfect so you painted it and the, painted it made more shells put them in at an angle yeah. so everything's facing you so it's really fun the, the thing about that display and even the one in seattle which is more like um angled french buckets that, right yeah that you can kind of pull out of it the rainbow effect of how vivid these dried flowers are is kind of uh it flies in the face of that assumption that they are dead or dusty or faded because the product you have is none of that. No, and none of that. We keep it really fresh yeah. and we do cycle it. Mm-hmm. I don't want anything there that's yeah. not looking 100%. Well, so that that niche though has it seems like that has also gone hand in glove with the wreath business that or the I don't know if you're you're are you still making wreaths for the wholesale market or is it more custom? We make a we make a few wreaths for the wholesale market, but we have to charge so much because of the value of the product that goes in it that a lot of people don't want to buy them. Right. Um, Is that what led to you teaching the wreath design workshops? Because you, you did a lot last year. No, but people, you know, I've always taught a few workshops. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the Eugene area. In the Eugene area. Yeah. And it's fun. And I've taught a few workshops for the Seattle Growers Market. Yes, and have. that's a lot of fun to teach designers because then I can say more, you know. Um, but it's just really fun to empower people to pick up bits and bobs from the life around you and create something. Yeah. You know, like I have everything you need at that workshop, but I keep reminding them, like, 
I started making wreaths by dismantling coat hangers and pulling apart telephone wire so that I could have thin wire to wrap <laughs> with because I had to make, you, you know, you use what child. was around you. Yeah, as a child, I used what was around me and I had to make things, you know, like I wasn't driven to to make things. And so I, I love it. I went to go find those things, you know. Yeah. I also think that because you do, um, have a part of your business where you invite people onto the farm with the you pick mm-hmm. and now the workshops it that's got to be it's got to serve a lot of purposes it's like obviously local good local pr mm-hmm. yeah neighborly thing to do right um do you, are you the the you pick are you still calling that sparhawk no we just uh Got rid of the Sparhawk name. That, which um, is the name of the road you're on, That right? was, that, Sparhawk actually is just a family name. Oh, okay. Um, for some reason, I had thought that when we made bouquets for grocery stores, this is before the internet, right. mind you, um, that we needed to have a separate name for our... our designed product. Our designed yeah. product yeah. that went to grocery stores and for the farm stand mm-hmm. as opposed to what went out nationally and I was really wrong mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it is so hard for most people to say Sparhawk um, and also you don't need to be double branded mm-hmm. and now we're in the painful process of undoing that okay but um, got having new signs made really yep pretty excited I love that old sign but I'll, I'll be happy to see the new one that <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is a pretty sign that's um, so cool. So this, like this coming season, when this coming you open season, up, yeah, when we open up the farm yeah. stand, and it's not just a U pick; it's a farm stand, right? Um, uh, it will have it'll be branded under Charles Little and Company, mm-hmm. which is great cool. yeah. because then when you look it up on the internet, you're not confused anymore, right? right. And so, and it's funny that yeah. you say that because I do know of a number of fl- farmer florists who have chosen a different name for their design services because they have a full service wedding and event design studio right and they intentionally chose to create a new business name and the feedback i've heard is because there's this unfortunate perception among consumers that farmers farm buying direct from a farmer is cheaper and so the rebranding was more like two distract from the fact that right. they were associated from, from a farm. That's fine. Yeah. You know, that's fine for them. I uh, When I run across people who want to employ my services and then they have the false impression that when they hire me that my time isn't worth anything, I gently tell them that my time is worth as valuable as their yeah. time. And yeah. um, I there is no way that I'm going to not know what I'm worth because I know what my friends who are also in the industry are worth. And I know that, you know, that what I do is valuable and it is well honed. You know, I've been doing it for a long time. And you are an employer. You often have a crew that you also have to, um, you know, factor their labor in to some of the things that you're doing as well. Right. I mean, you're thinking about markup and, overhead and you're not just a I only I show. only think about that when we're doing things for the grocery stores okay. like I don't when if things. I do a wedding I rarely have anybody do it with me okay I don't do big ones in fact I some of my favorite weddings are the ones where they want five buckets of 
uh, of the mixed flowers and mm-hmm. greens that they chose, and then they wanted me to do their bridal work. Mm-hmm. And the personals, the personals, yeah. and they come and pick it up, and they go take it up river to some lodge and have a fa- have a fabulous time. time, you know. And I never see any of it. I don't do any install. I don't have to drive anywhere. For me, that's bliss. I yeah, I get to get some. Design yayas out, and I get to, <laughs> which I know that sounds silly, but no. I like as I told you, even as a child, I I was driven to make, so I always person. have to make something, right? And um, so, and that's um, so it's I I get to make something beautiful, and I get to listen to someone, and I get to design with our flowers. That's sort of the 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 I swear I draw the line if I do a wedding for someone's life. I say. Our flowers right, only, unless right. That's I the sweet spot. need to get like maybe a couple bunches of fancy roses from Peter Court or something mm-hmm. like that. Right, that I'm don't have. Um, but that's you know yeah. I love just being able to wake up in the morning on Saturday and you know the sun's up. It's five thirty. I go out there with one of my dogs and I go and I pick the bridal bouquet flowers and I bring them in and I clean them and I mean could it be any fresher? No. <laughs> and the, for the, that day's wedding. For that day's oh, wedding. Bethany. And I it's mean, just so much fun. It's so cool. For I me, at least, it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. So I get to uh, do something that I want to do, and they pay me for it. It's right. great. You know, we were talking about, before we turn on the recorder, about your business and how pretty much you sell everything that you grow. But there is a lot of marketing behind that. And um, I don't know if you have any advice for people who maybe are just starting out or maybe have a smaller acreage than you about what are the like best practices for developing a, a, a market and re- nurturing customers. I mean, I feel like you're really good at it, but it takes a lot of personal investment of, of your relationships. There's right? a lot of personal investment. Um, I genuinely like my customers. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a time in my life where I fired a wholesaler they're not even. They're, they haven't been in business for fifteen years, so don't even worry about we them. We don't need to name names. We don't. Not, we don't need name names. But I just, you know, I thought, oh my gosh, I'm being yelled at. Why do I have to be? I, yeah. I call. I told, told Charles. I'm like, I don't like how this is going. Right. And he's like, we, you know. And then I realized I can have really. I don't have to have relationships like that, and everybody else I have wonderful relationships mm-hmm. with, and I'm going to nurture those. Um, and I also. Uh, don't, boy, I don't hold people to standards like, oh, if you buy this, you have to buy that mm-hmm. from me. Um, I just tr- do my best to be the best, you know, that my customer mm-hmm. wants, mm-hmm. you know, and try to so remember. a lot of listening, a lot of asking questions, that sort of thing. Yeah, and I, I try to remember, and I do look, you know, at the beginning of the month, I look back to see, like, who bought what, and... Try to remember, and then I also have like this enormous sticky notes. Then I take little tiny notes on them, and they're hanging in our office, and yes. it looks awful. But for me, it's like the only way I can remember because I'm not a I, I'm horrible at taking notes. And sounds actually a lot easier than an Excel spreadsheet. Them. I know. <laughs> so it'll say something like, you know, so and so really wanted to make sure they got, you know, whatever viburnum this year, and. You know, you accidentally sold most of it to someone else. Like, try to spread it out a little bit. Spread the love. And so I try to think about these things. And and, um, 
and then surprise them with it because they're like, wow, you remember that? I try. You yeah. know, I think it's a, and I also work really hard to think about like what's coming up. Mm-hmm. So at the bottom of our price list, it has the coming soon list mm-hmm. and I'll, every, you know, the really good wholesalers, which is like all of our customers are really good wholesalers. Every single one of them always reads the bottom of that and says, so I see you have Scabiosa on there. When's that Fama White happening? Yeah. You know, they want to know. You and, know. and how much will you have? Right. <laughs> so it's sort of... Uh, That's cool. It is It is really fun. It's really cool. Uh, but boy, you know, I think everybody's has sort of like their own little yeah. thing. Yeah. But maybe just take the time to get to know those customers. Um I know that's it, it is a lot of work, but you just happen to be naturally good at it. But uh, you know, you if you're in town, I just have observed you. Like if you're in town, you go have lunch with a buyer, or um, you stop by a florist, and like you try to go that extra, have that person to person FaceTime. I'm which, genuinely interested in yeah, that. So yeah. that helps. You right. know, so it's not like I have to force myself. Right. But but Charles doesn't love doing it. No. And so it's like God, you do right. <laughs> I guess so, yeah, especially since um, the business went from dried flowers where you talk to someone twice a year to fresh flowers where you talk to them once or twice a week. Oh, I see. You That's know? really interesting. Yeah. But I did have to take it away from them. Okay. You know, the yes man. Okay. Can't say yes to everything. Okay. <laughs> well, what what do you have on your plate for this tour that you think you're going to try to new, new to grow or um, a new – is there anything that you guys are – I mean, you're just adjusting to having acquired a lot more land only a couple of years ago. Well, it's not. Oh. It's the land that we have been farming for okay. the last 30, or Charles has been farming for the last 30 years. Oh, so you didn't increase the acreage. You just changed from renting to owning. That's right. Okay. okay. So that's... Um, that's ins- that's major, though. It is super major. Yeah. Um, it does. It, ca- it causes you to have more investment in the yeah. land, which mm-hmm. is fun, mm-hmm. uh, where we would just be like meh you know whatever something happened you know the the old wooden fence fell down it's yeah that's really not our responsibility yeah and now (laughs) it is and now it is so um you make you know you know deciding if you're going to keep a shed or tear down a shed you know or what is in that shed you know we inherited some sheds that are like full of things and i'm just you open it up and you're like huh and you take shut it, the door again. Take it to that store that you bought the cabinet from. They would probably sell that as salvage. I don't know. Some of it's sort of weird. It's like <laughs> there's trunks, you know, in there. There's like five trunks in there. I'm like, oh, I Bethany, wanna, I don't want to open them. Ooh. All right, you have to. You have to have like a unveiling party of all the oh, goods in there. Huh. I meant to take it apart this winter and clean it out, but I never did. Well, I also don't think it's next you, winter's project. Yeah, as I was say, you don't have a ton of downtime. In the winter, because you're doing a lot of crop planning, and all coasts you both like to travel, so you're trying to do some personal travel, right? Right. When you don't have to be daily farming, but it's revving right back up now, isn't it? It is, and um, it's 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 there's so much that needs to happen. Oh my gosh, so much is going on, and. Um, there's always constant discussions of, oh, this happened last year, and we meant to take care of that issue for this coming year. We're not necessarily um, the most uh, progressive farm mm-hmm. that you're going to run across, mm-hmm. but we have always been um, really happy people and um, really p- fine with 
who we are yeah. and what we do. And so to us, our lifestyle is um, the, the most important, you know, like keep, you know, keeping each other happy, keeping our customers happy. I mean, keeping our employees happy, keeping our customers right. happy and doing good. Loving your land. Loving our land, yeah. doing good things. Um, that's always been sort of our most important. Yeah, your values. Goals. Yeah. Well, I feel like the one other value is that I see is that you're both kind of, in, you and Charles are both very insatiably curious about new plants that you might want to grow. And you alluded to that earlier. So you're, oh, you yeah. aren't, you may say you're not, you know, uber progressive, but you're, you're, you're pushing yourselves in on the growing side to discover something that might be good for the market. And I love right. that about you. That's fun. That's the fun part about travel. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you get to go to arboretums and or private gardens or go to nurseries, especially nurseries in the Southern Hemisphere, mm-hmm. New Zealand, uh, that have like the same zone we do. So you go to these beautiful nurseries uh, and you see plants that, you know, like, hey, we can grow that. Why don't we grow that? That's a really interesting plant. I wonder if it drinks water, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, right. You know, How just, demanding is it? <laughs> so it's, um, it makes, tra- you know, it's sort of mixing travel with business. Research. Makes it's, it research is kind of fun. You can write off a tiny little bit of your, yeah. your trip. But yeah. um, it's just fun to be able to be relaxed and yeah. see things as opposed to, uh, Checking your clock. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Just ha- always having to rush around, and um, but I'm always seeing things, places growing in yards and taking pictures of them. And I have a, re- a really good friend, Nathan Champion, who um, is an amazing nurseryman. He graduated from the UVO and has had a nursery, and um, and then has is now working up in Portland at a different nursery. I think he's going to start another another nursery i know everyone needs a friend like nathan i know so i'll just i'll text him images and i'm like who who is this and you know what's her name (laughs) because she might have to come by you know like i need like 600 of her maybe and you know to plant out he'll like (laughs) indulge your curiosity yeah yeah that's cool he's so good at it i should probably i'm sure there's an app for that but a friend, a friend on the other end of a text is a lot easier than an app, I think. <laughs> That's cool. Well, this has been so much fun. I am so glad we finally got to sit down together. Will, will you share some n- new photos of what you're growing this season? And Yeah, we're going to bring back some oldies with goodies. Oh. I can hardly wait to show Ooh. them to you. All uh, right. One's a biannual, so it's not going to come yet. But when you see it, it'll be there. What is it? Oh, secret. Oh, she's smiling. It's sort of a secret. Okay. It's not really a big secret, but it's like my... My one only secret. All right. When you're ready, <laughs> you'll share it. Um, thank you so much. I just, I'm so glad we got to finally do this and let people hear the other side of the the couple behind Charles Little and company. And we love Charles, but I want you to hear um, Bethany's story. And um, if you're not buying from her, uh, get your wholesaler to buy from her or go find her product uh, at uh, the Oregon Flower Growers Association, at other wholesalers in Portland. and You can um, always call me, and I can direct you to a horse, wholesaler that purchases from us. That's because true. we do, you know. You cover the country. We cover the country, yeah. and we can always um, find you the right person to get mm. you the product in mm-hmm. the best way. Great. And, of course, in the Seattle Wholesale Growers Market, and as Bethany said, at Oregon coastal flowers stall in LA so we've got the west coast pretty much covered and um, 
direct and then right. had all these other places. Thanks so much, Bethany. Thank you, Deborah. It's yeah. been a lot of fun. Let's go all have that fabulous dinner now. That'll be fun. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me today as we heard Bethany Little's story. I'm in awe of all you intrepid and gifted flower farmers and floral designers are doing. Together, you define the Slow Flowers movement. As our cause gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of the American cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. I value your support and I invite you to show your thanks with a donation to support my ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the donate button at deborahprinzing.com in the right column, and I'm grateful for any support you can show. I want to remind you about the Dream Designer Package, a ticket promotion that runs through Sunday, May 20th. All May registrants for the Slow Flower Summit will be entered into a drawing for one spot to join me on Sunday evening, July 1st, at an exclusive gathering with Laura Dowling, author and former White House florist. This private event benefits the AIFD Foundation, and I'm going to bring one of you with me to attend and enjoy a dazzling and unforgettable evening. So if you've been thinking about attending the Slow Flower Summit, this promotion might just be your incentive. The summit promises to be a fantastic day of networking, inspiration, and personal growth. I can't wait to see you there. As I mentioned at the top of this show, the Slow Flowers podcast has been downloaded 317,000 times, and we've just hit our 250th episode of this podcast. Five years ago, my book, Slow Flowers, was published. Four years ago, I started the ambitious endeavor to publish and maintain an online directory called slowflowers.com, which is a free resource to help connect consumers with American-grown flowers and the people who grow and design with them. Three years ago, American Flowers Week debuted, and the fourth annual week-long event, American Flowers Week 2018, is almost here. Mark the dates June 28th through July 4th on your calendar, and we'll have more details coming up real soon. Last year, in 2017, the Slow Flowers Journal launched as an online magazine and soon became a permanent feature in the pages of Florist Review each month. I also launched the Slow Flowers Summit, a one-day mind meld and gathering for floral progressives. And our second annual summit is set for June 29th, just around the corner in Washington, D.C. Thank you to our sponsors who have supported Slow Flowers and all of our programs. They include Arctic Alaska Peonies, a cooperative of passionate family farms in the heart of Alaska, providing bigger, better peony flowers during the months of July and August. Visit them today at arcticalaskapeonies.com. The Seattle Wholesale Growers Market, a farmer-owned cooperative committed to providing the very best the Pacific Northwest has to offer in cut flowers, foliage, and plants. The Growers Market's mission is to foster a vibrant marketplace that sustains local flower farms and provides top quality products and services to the local floral industry. Find them at seattlewholesalegrowersmarket.com. Longfield Gardens provides home gardeners with high-quality flower bulbs and perennials. Their online store offers plants for every region and every season, from tulips and daffodils to dahlias, caladiums, and amaryllis. Visit them at longfield-gardens.com. 
Syndicate Sales, an American manufacturer of vases and accessories for the professional florist. Look for the American flag icon to find Syndicate's USA-made products and join the Syndicate Stars loyalty program at syndicatesales.com. Johnny's Selected Seeds, an employee-owned company that provides our industry the best flower, herb, and vegetable seeds supplied to farms large and small and even backyard cutting gardens like mine. Check them out at johnnysseeds.com. The Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers formed in 1988. ASCFG was created to educate, unite, and support commercial cut flower growers. Its mission is to help growers produce high-quality floral material and to foster and promote the local availability of that product. Learn more at ASCFG.org. Mayesh Wholesale Florist, family-owned since 1978, Mayesh is the premier wedding and event supplier in the U.S., and we're thrilled to partner with Mayesh to promote local and domestic flowers, which they source from farms large and small around the U.S. Learn more at Mayesh.com. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers podcast. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more American-grown flowers on the table, one vase at a time. And if you like what you hear, please consider logging onto iTunes and posting a listener review. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. The Slow Flowers podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. Learn more about his work at soundbodymovement.com. Bye.